0: Before we start, I would like to give a spoiler warning. We will talk openly about the ending of Derek Williams' Twelve Monkeys, Chris Marker's La Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, and a short story by Ambrose Pierce called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. So check them out beforehand if you are sensitive to spoilers. That being said, enjoy. to like mother like son like movies I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello Hello and today we are going to talk about Terry Killiam's 12 Monkeys which was a very surprising uh, topic to discuss this time because I, I we, we were talking about um, that we want to have another podcast episode we have want to record another one to talk about movies and stuff and I ask you um, give me like an idea of what you want to talk about, and um, and so I, and I was expecting like you would say something about like current movies because we 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 we, were, we just did like um, our favorite movies about two, of two thousand nineteen and the Oscar movies and stuff and there was a lot of interesting movies for sure. Uh, that we would like to uh, talk about at some point. So I was thinking maybe you will uh, say something about those movies. But then like out of nowhere, I didn't expect it. You said 12 monkeys and I was like, (laughs) why? And I was really intrigued. Why do you want to talk about 12 monkeys? And I suppose it's kind of nice. um, It's kind of relevant in, in many ways.
1: Yes, it's relevant in many ways.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of you. You came up with a very interesting movie to talk about. There is uh, um, this this winter. There has been going this uh, coronavirus has been going around. Is
1: still going on very hardly. Yes. Hard. And also the world seems to be going crazier and crazier somehow. All kinds of politics to everything.
0: Exactly. So,
1: So it's kind of a dystopia is in a place now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And Uh, also in Oscars we had Brad Pitt got a side Oscar side actor Oscar prize and he's in this film.
0: Exactly. that that was I was also thinking uh, immediately like because when when Brad Pitt got the Oscar this was one of the movies that I I remembered him from to think Mm -hmm. like Yeah, like that. That this movie is a very good like uh, showcase of his talent as an actor already, such an early time in his career.
1: Yeah, and to think that Terry Gilliam thought that he would never take Brad Pitt
0: for this. Ah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, it was other people got to turn his head around, and uh, it's a real good choice, I think, that he he took him
0: yeah yeah you can really see he has this energy and this like like uh, in some ways it reminds me of uh uh uh,
1: oh yeah because of his energy and you know
0: he he really leaps yeah out from the from the frame you know like he's he's he really starts to use the space around him for with his movements and stuff and, and
1: he's perfect for this part because he's he acts uh a rich man's son, which he's perfect for that. He mm. looks like an a educated person and anyway, but completely out of his mind, crazy. Mm-hmm. So he he can act that, so so he can do both. So he's very good in that part.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. So it it shows, and then also this movie is a very good movie. If if we talk about actors, it's it's a kind of a great movie to show. Many of its like main characters or main actors like um, scales of of their talents. Also, like Bruce Willis was a very was a very different type of role that he did.
1: Yeah, and they could control him that he wouldn't go out burst out of his limits like he normally does, like uh, Nicolas Cage does. Or something, <laughs> yeah, you know. So he could they could control him in a way and anyway keep him that energetic. And then mm-hmm. I want to say about Madeleine Stowe, this woman, mm-hmm. the doctor woman, there, that the uh, Gilliam chose her. And uh, now, when we the world is talking a lot about women and me too and uh, all these things, so about the, this woman in this film is perfect for for any time now, especially and also any time because. He, he chose her for her intelligence and her actor, acting quality and this, the way, the looks, the way she looks like. She's, it's needed in this film. All those mm-hmm. qualities. So wonderful.
0: Yeah, she's also really great in it. Yeah. But, um...
1: She's, she's one of the main characters and, and supporting her place there, like, really.
0: Yeah, and I'm, and it's 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 really well done. This whole like drama in the movie between those because it's like it's in on the surface. It's everything is kind of like um, very Terry Gilliam and kind of messy and kind of uh, rough and stuff. You know, because we were we I I I I've been wanting to show it to Merle um, f- for a long time because it's a lot of fun. It's a fun story and stuff like this. But I I, I was kind of I, I it it. I had to kind of warn her that it's it, it's 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 going to be very rough. It's yeah. kind of a rough movie, you know, and and, and especially okay. the whole like view of the world and stuff. It's like, it's it's kind of a weird movie. It, it every everything takes place in 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 like with, with homeless people and like this kind of dirty streets and stuff like this. It's kind of weird. like a weird and then mental hospitals, like yeah, mental yeah. asylum and stuff like this. And it's yeah. it's such a dirty movie. You know, yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of pretty things like it's weird because Louis Armstrong is seeing like I see trees of green and like no. a beautiful <laughs> world. But it's not a beautiful world. According to Derry Gilliam, it's kind of yeah. rough, urban, yeah. homeless. There's so much problems and stuff like this. And, yeah. But and 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 and, yeah, and Bruce yeah. Bruce Willis himself is kind of like I I the way I had to kind of try to describe him because I had to say like yeah there's Bruce Willis in the movie and he's not really a a hero you know like the, the traditional yeah. hero and yeah, there's no. also kind of Gilliam style that he doesn't he will not give you the like Brad Pitt would be like this handsome young hero looking guy you know but instead he has Bruce Willis who is most of the movie, like out of his mind all drugged completely. He has, he's completely shaved. So he looks like an ape, like, like a monkey himself. And he, he acts like a monkey a lot of times. Like the first times we see him, he's like trawling in the mental hospital. And, and so it's not like a, this charismatic, character that we will follow who like. comes
1: to save you and everybody knows he's going yeah. to save us but here we don't know nothing and we are, <laughs> he's, we are desperate yeah they're the people in the film and also the viewers exactly we,
0: and yeah yeah and 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 so bruce willis is is kind of this like a rough character and and it's kind of he, he always is he's a very interesting character actor in the sense that or like action hero actor in the sense that he, he can kind of balance that kind of prettiness, unlikeliness but charismatic kind of like like Fifth Element is a good example of Bruce Yeah, Williams I as thought kind so too Fifth Element and,
1: was, yeah, it came to mind in Yeah, this.
0: but here it, he's much more unlikable kind of, you know but we, but we still are with him as a hero but then on top of all of that this ape guy who is like all like drugged half of the movie uh, we have to we have to then sell like this romantic plot that, that with the with the woman uh, psychiatric uh, psychologist, this woman
1: yeah, the uh, doctor ps- psychiatrist, yeah. Yeah.
0: we have to believe that she falls in love with him
1: yeah, and that was my interest in this film you know, in the main Really, it's it's a, whole, it's a whole story is interesting and everything. But my main interest in the end, afterwards, was mm-hmm. centered on that, you know?
0: Yeah, of, of this romantic relationship between the yeah. characters. Yeah, and
1: it's, I don't know if I, because we are already, we are now in the beginning of the whole story here. But, you know, it happened to me, when in the part of the, to, towards the end, they went to this hour hotel, one hour hotel, mm-hmm. and they were there. And then Bruce Willis was out of his mind and was so sad, and he thought, "I am crazy, mm. I am crazy." And mm-hmm. you no, know, can I say it now? <laughs>
0: uh, this, this romantic thing? Yeah, yeah. If you are, yeah? if you are wanting to say,
1: I, it, I'm into it. It's, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So. Madly, this Madeleine stole. The, Bruce is sitting on a bed, and Madeleine stole beside, uh, 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 opposite him. And and uh, she says, she says to him that I feel like I had always known you. I wrote it down even because that was the most miracle sentence in the whole movie for me. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like I have always known you, and. Bruce really don't say back like okay I also he says that that mm-hmm. I'm so scared and he starts to cry. For me that's kind of a love. It came came to me out afterwards, I thought and thought and thought it comes to me as a declaration of love from both of them. In fact, and and why? Because it's not normal thing at all in a romantic film. It's um, it's like it's explained in the end of the end scene of the film. This why they feel like he, she has always known him. It's explained in the end, uh, of, and. He, like that, he, is he mad? Is he mad? Is thinking by himself. Am I mad? And she turns on that time, she turns on his side and convinces him that he's not mad. And she starts to look for the mm-hmm. solution. So it's a kind of that they have known each other forever. Forever and ever and ever. In future, in past, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the explanation. What is love? Like, they always want to be together. That was their both feelings. Mm -hmm. They want to keep uh, staying alive and always want to be together. He doesn't want to go back to the Mm -hmm. future, and she wants to be with him. And why? Because they have known each other for... They want to be together forever. That's what I think is love.
0: Yes. Wow. So it's in
1: a mystery, mystery way. This film explains a romantic love story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. The, well, there's a lot to kind of unpack there because, like, it, it goes a lot into what what I was also like uh, thinking about and looking at the movie. And so I
1: think the it's the ones who made the script. It was a couple uh, called uh, called um, David and Janet Peoples. And this is a brilliant script screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant screenplay, and it's not Gilliam's screenplay. It's this couple,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that so, helps in this film a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, if if I if I go on with what you were saying about this, because it's very interesting, because that kind of is the point in the in the short film La Chete that this this Twelve Monkeys is based on, which is a. From 1962, a black and white kind of photo montage short film. Um, and so it's all like still photos uh, edited together. And um, th- that move that movie and that story is very much he- he- he heavy on the romance aspect of it. It's, it's also about them the, this kind of obsession over this woman. And that, that that image and that obsession of that woman is the center point of why that man, the prisoner, is able to go back in time. Because he he see he goes back to her, you know. Yeah. And then in the end, because it, it differs from the Twelve Monkeys in the sense that he, in the La Chete film, he's able to go also to the future. And he meets up. Uh, the more advanced humans from the future, and there comes a point where he has to make a decision, because he has to escape the present time, um, and the, in that moment, the people from the future are are can also time travel. So they they come back to him, the prisoner, and they ask him uh, to if he wants to come to the future to escape. And he chooses not to go to the future. He wants to go back to. The pre-war time, to back to the woman, it's because he loves her, and she loves him. You know, like in the Twelve Monkeys, and it's it's interesting that 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 like what you were saying that he doesn't want to like Bruce Willis doesn't want to live anymore that present that uh, the past. He doesn't want to go back to the present. He wants to stay in the past, in the with her. And that's the same, the same thing that in La C'ete, that I kind of like end, end climax of that character arc is to, that they don't want to anymore go back to the present, they want to stay in the past and in both cases, because in the La Cete it's a pre-war, so there will be a, like a third world war and it will basically uh, destroy the surface to be livable And because it's radioactive and in the 12 monkeys, it's a virus that is kills humans if they go to the surface. And in both films, the main character wants to rather be with the woman that they love and witness that Mm. destruction, then go to the time after the destruction.
1: Yeah. So it's in fact a film, a romantic film, in fact.
0: Yeah. And there's kind of like the element of sacrifice and for, for love, you know, because you will, it, it yeah. you will, you will die anyway, you know, it will be very unlikely to you to survive, but you will be happy until that time because the present is not worth existing. You know, you cannot live in the present anymore you yeah. know, for those characters, you know,
1: yeah.
0: like, like uh, the, 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 the scene that I really love, in in 12 monkeys like one of my favorite scene is the car scene it is kind of similar to this hotel scene
1: ah you mean tell me about this car scene
0: so the car scene is also what terry killiam in the behind the scenes said uh was was was, was, was felt like was one of the most challenging because it's in one it's kind of boring location and it's very uh, drama heavy it's very acting you have to make the acting very believable and stuff and that for me that's the first time when the Bruce Willis kind of starts to become much more human uh, as an actor and also as a character
1: yeah, <laughs> because... they're both brilliant actors especially yeah. in this car scene it's it's uh, one of the for sure for every audience it's, it's sure, sheer delight is that when he loves the the pleasure things in the on the earth which we don't even notice, since he has mm-hmm. been living under earth and he don't have the air and the water. And then this this music from the radio, the old songs. How lovely! Mm-hmm. How lovely! Simple things. That's mm-hmm. that's what's the best in life.
0: Yeah, and I and it really like you can really feel this joy on his face, and it it um it it is the moment that. That I feel is the moment when she starts to see him as like, like, uh, we're like sane or like human sane. or like, yeah. which is weird because he's so kind of in, insane in the moment that he's like so happy about being alive and stuff like this. But there, there's something happens during that scene that she can kind of see him as a human that, that has these feelings and the, the vulnerability of that character. And yes, I think it. There's something starts happening there. Yeah. In, in, in that. How moment. did
1: they do that in that film? That it all comes out so so clear and so yeah. realistic.
0: So I th- what we what you said all the way back that in the beginning that she's such a good actress and I feel like kind of all these three elements like she she and he and Terry Killiam, like they all kind of have to play their part to make it kind of feel. And then, especially in the editing at the end, when they have kind of shot everything, they have to make this drama convincing. And it, it Gilliam, just kind of works.
1: Gilliam said that in the, in the document that the mo- it was very important that this woman is. Super intelligent actress. Mm-hmm. So and Madeleine Stove is doing that because to catch those ideas in quickly and doing it, it's, it needs yes. talents on all kinds. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, what a but, pleasurable film it is! Yeah. Even if I can't stand dystopias, you know
0: Dystopia.
1: oh, yeah. yeah, I can't stand them because you don't have those lovely things of life ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah true but like Mad kind of, Max
1: and all this
0: yes, which is kind of funny because it's it's not it's like half of it takes place in the present time, it's not supposed to be dystopic it's not a f- it's nineteen ninety six which is now like way past yes so it's not this topic it's the but know, they it's, b- it's but they
1: bring it this dystopy into the then spoil it like into this nineteen ninety six he, Bruce Willis is bringing it with him, and this Brad Pitt.
0: Mm, it's, it's kind of apocalyptic. Yeah. It, it's kind of threatening something horrible.
1: Horrible. Happening. So it's, it's
0: kind of like, I see it as, as a kind of, there's this feel of environmental critique that we have to do something. And yeah. you know, that it's kind of very critical of the society and the system. And that 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 and kind of maybe maybe that's the kind of the lens that it sees everything. Why everything is kind of gritty and like why why we are all all the time with homeless people and that it kind of shows the the dysfunction of society. Yes, but
1: half of the people are under bridges in horrible conditions where Madeline Stowe wouldn't even go. She was afraid to go there. In fact, Willis Bruce Willis doesn't know. So he knows only the dystopia where he's living in the future mm-hmm. so for him under the bridges and those homeless people is normal
0: yeah and I was thinking that it, it uh, when he was like going to to with the police and to the mental asylum and the homeless and stuff and I was like thinking like actually he he might be really happy because he can be on, on the surface so this is for him like heaven to <laughs> be, be able to breathe the air and yeah. stuff so he doesn't see it as a as the the worst-case scenario, you know, or, you know, like something tragic, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of a funny movie in that sense. And um,
1: this was done in 1995, this very Monkeys. So, Luc Besson did Fifth Element in 97, two years after. And wasn't Bruce Willis in that?
0: So it was like a very new role for Bruce Willis to take because he was doing like he was it wasn't ha- hasn't been doing this kind of roles, so it was like a very new thing and he 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 he, he allowed to do the film or like most of the actors didn't they did the film with much less salary than what they are used to, just because they wanted to work with Tarikil Liam, yeah and. Bruce Willis basically did it for free and then only after the movie he got his paycheck. And yeah. Um, and be, yeah, because he just wanted to like work with Terry Gilliam. It's kind of like this more dramatic role for, for all of these. All of the actors who go into the film are kind of um, going in to make a Terry Gilliam film.
1: Uh-huh, they like, the, yeah, yeah, they're
0: okay. all like it's it's much more like, um, like like Terry Gilliam himself said that it's kind of like um, a European movie in, in Hollywood and there's kind of similarities with kind of Luc Besson and Fifth Element and yeah. that's what I meant about the kind of chaotic and playfulness of the movies that is and the, the kind of grittiness and the the roughness of of the set design and stuff it's like it's very similar to Fifth Element which was very not Hollywood Fifth yeah. Element it's a very weird action movie blockbuster there's yeah. weird aliens and it has these weird tubes and folio set design and stuff like this that just like you don't see in Hollywood film and Twelve Monkeys is the same like if you see behind the scenes where they are like putting Bruce Willis in this kind of weird futuristic outfit to go to the surface and stuff, it's like it's like it's it it looks like very like steampunk or retro. You know? Like it doesn't look like futuristic in the way Hollywood fi- would imagine futuristic. And that's by purpose
1: done. Yeah that dress and it's by purpose. It's
0: Yeah they have they had a logic to it. Why do it but they but the main reason was that they didn't have budget. So they, they couldn't do anything. So they had to come. They they were like the the set designers and um, like 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 the crafts people were like uh, picking up stuff from uh, uh, from markets and stuff like ordinary items, and then they would adapt ordinary items into the uh, mm-hmm. set design and stuff like it's this a into the clothes. really
1: big work. Yeah, really. and
0: it's really nice, and they kind of worked it into the story. True logics that you know, like they 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 wouldn't have anything else to build their machines and stuff like this. So, kind of it kind of makes sense. But it's also very Kilian thing to do. Like Brazil also, like it's it, it's it's ingrained into me this Brazil movie feeling of tubes. There's tubes always everywhere in his movies. Like if he wants to have it futuristic or something, it's like huge tubes or something like this. And so you know, that's kind of like very specific for him and stuff so and it kind of works he can work it out with low budget and another, another in good example movie of low budget set design is the Blade Runner that they they had to kind of come up with a way to make this very futuristic movie uh, universe but with kind of practical budget you know, like how to You mean the f-
1: original Blade Runner? Yes,
0: Blade Runner. If, yeah. if I don't say any numbers behind it. Original Blade Runner. <laughs> not whatever, so, 2046, so whatever.
1: wasn't Bruce Willis also in Blade Runner?
0: No, that was Harrison Ford.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that was Harrison Ford, and I mixed yeah. up with uh, the fifth element, you see?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Immediately, I think, yeah, yeah. So, got, in
0: Blade, Blade Runner, okay. they, they had like... Like a uh, set, set um, of 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 a street, like yeah. a, like Brooklyn or something, you know, like a New York street or something. I don't know, like just only repeat, and then they just added tubes and stuff on the <laughs> buildings, you know, and made so it looks very kind of dystopian future, kind of you know like yeah. like this low low-fi futuristic sense, which is kind of the cyberpunk. Look, they yeah. kind of create with that. They kind of created cyberpunk feel, and 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 twelve monkeys have a lot of that cyberpunk also, and it kind of goes hand in hand with low budget, and you have to be more creative with with stuff, but and you, you, you mix up st- ordinary with, stuff with futuristic elements. You know.
1: Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. So where does Mad Max go in in the middle of that? Because it was about somebody else completely did it, but they that was in seventy
0: nine. Yeah, but it's much
1: before.
0: <laughs> but Blade Runner also was much, wasn't it, much before?
1: What? So uh, a pretty,
0: <laughs> pretty old movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But, but Mad
0: Max, Mad Max was was cheap in the sense that it was in the middle of nowhere in Australia, you know, in the desert, you know, like.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so well, I don't know if it's cheap or something, but you don't really have to do a lot of set building. Because you are in the middle of nowhere, It's right? the whole point is that it's it's the but desert. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. Somehow so, they had to move in the desert. So it was the cars or something.
0: Yeah, and they built the cars, or so the cars and that's like the
1: with the pipes also. Yeah,
0: yeah, also with pipes and you know <laughs> no. and, But in Mad Max it's spikes. Everything is spiky <laughs> and, and stuff. So okay, it, everything can yeah. pierce you through and stuff. But There is an interesting opposition between Mad Max and 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Which is that um, you... um, Because 12 Monkeys, it's about going to the past and Bruce Willis eventually wants to stay in the past. He wants to stay and not be in the present. He doesn't want to work because he could go back to the present and find out what the virus is and then help everybody to survive in the present. You know, he he could yeah. He could come back and kind of be a hero there, you know? But he doesn't mm. want to. He wants to stay in the past. He wants to stay in the life that will doesn't have any um any future. Any yeah. existence because he will probably die mm. from the events that will occur and stuff. So he will be just so it's it's kind of a dead end. But he but wants he to... But he prefers. He prefers to it. And that's kind of the... He,
1: he prefers the, the loveliness of the music and the air and the water and the yeah. woman.
0: Yeah. So, and, that, and that's the difference with Mad Max. Because Mad Max oh. Fury Road, especially, like, now let's talk about Fury Road because it has the uh, very strong theme and we can kind of... It it kind of concludes like what it's what Mad Max is kind of all about. Yeah. In in Saras. In, it's not about time travel and it's not about escaping to fantasy. It's about. Uh it's about in, in, in the first way, as as the main character motif, it's about ignoring and kind of being irrelevant to the present. You know, to to, to the responsibilities of what's happening around you that's the mad Mm. max's character is that he doesn't want to do have anything to do with any of these people in any of the movies he's always like very reluctant to help anybody Mm. you know like like in the road warrior he just ends up to the oil town because he needs oil Mm. and then he ends up helping them you know, mm. And in Furry Road, it's the whole main character arc is that he ends up having to help this woman. and mm. he does like the real like moral choice eventually, but it's always that moral growth. He has to f- it's all about that character finding morality within the desert. Yeah. So, but
1: he's not looking for it, or something. Yeah,
0: he's not looking for it, but it—it it is eventually. It's all about the the main theme and the main message of the film at the very end, is about finding hope and solutions in the present. Yeah, we like like the the whole point. Like people were criticizing the Mad Max movie about being so horrible view of future that. Mm. So then we have more optimistic views of future in in our movies. Why do we have to watch Mad Max? It was actually it dystopic. It's it's yeah, it's horrible and it dystopic and like it's depressive, you know, and it doesn't help our cause now. Mm. But actually, mm. it it's the opposite. I think it's it's actually a movie that it tells about that what if we will have the worst case scenario. We got mm. the most horrible dystopic future that we can imagine and how can we still find morality mm. how can we still help each other and, and, and survive as humans because that's, that's mm. what we will have to do in that case because we cannot be naive about our future if, if, if that dystopic future is going to happen we have to be there and we have mm. to help each other out yeah, and let and 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 survive as human race. That's know? what
1: I've been thinking about every time I watch the Second World War movies, where there's the the uh, para, what do you call it? Uh, partisans, huh? partisans, and the underground. The. Resistance mm-hmm. would I be able to be resistant? Would I be able every time i'm going to go into big moral discussions with myself would i be would I be and in the end I can all, they say nothing else but that yes, I would have to gather all my power, strength, and be resistant
0: yeah exactly, and Bruce Willis cannot do that
1: yeah
0: he he has to escape. That reality,
1: yeah. He
0: has to go back to the past, and and he cannot be part of that resistance in the future, in the present. He cannot help others. He, yeah. He tries to prevent it, but it is kind of inevitable, as the movie says.
1: Yeah, all these are fascinating films, and all are different.
0: Derek Gilliam has this kind of thing about doing a lot of like he he likes sci-fi and he likes time travel. He has like a handful of time travel movies, like Time Bandits, <laughs> the very first yeah, one. And <laughs> yeah, and Don
1: Quixote and everything. Yeah, Don Quixote
0: is also uh, time you travel. You haven't
1: seen this Don Quixote no. we did last, this with no. Adam Diver.
0: No, I didn't. There's
1: also time travel.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and if, if, I don't know if you like, do you like time travel movies or?
1: No, <laughs> no, but, but it depends because I love these 12 monkeys. So it depends. And Fifth Element I love absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Mad Max. If it's well done and it's something that you can you can go along.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, well yeah. You know, well, time travel movies have kind of like thing about if they're kind of uh, if if they are kind of you know twist your brain a little bit. Like, because part, part of it might be the kind of um, that they can, can be kind of complex in, in, in the storyline and how things connect and stuff like this. So
1: this or, really was the ultimate go- turn your brain out.
0: Well, don't, don't say that because you haven't really seen, you haven't really took a deep dive yet into time travel. Like you haven't seen like predestination and primer so if you if you I can pro, I can give you some movies if you really want to twist your brain with time ah, travel.
1: Ah, those I haven't heard about those at all.
0: But they, they are great movies, and if you are into time travel, then Predestination and, mm. and and primer are really good examples of like very very a lot of fun twisty time travel that will kind of keep you focused on every moment like so what how did that can happen and stuff? And yeah, it's all yeah. about the tram. Well, monkeys is kind of easy. There is some fun stuff about the the time travel things. If you if you hu- humor me for a second, like and we because there is some. If if you if you are into time travel movies and stuff, then it's it's a lot of fun to theorize and to analyze the the story elements. You know, because yeah. time travel uh, brings up a lot of questions about what actually happened. Mm. Or what is possible? Because like, first of all, there is the time travel rules um, uh, because time travel cannot exist and it it brings up a whole lot of problems physically (laughs) and scientifically, like how can that even work, like paradoxes and stuff. So every time travel movie has to have the rules, Mm. like the logic. And in this, apparently, like we talked about already, that it apparently kind of has one timeline Which means that, like, because because if you go into the past, then and you alter something, does that mean that you are altering the same timeline, or do you create a new timeline? Because so so what I mean is that if Bruce Willis goes back in time and he alters something, does it mean that in his present something has changed, Mm. or is it now a new future? Mm. because in this movie it's kind of they want to make it kind of clear that they did find the source of the virus because of Bruce Willis it it was a happy ending in in that sense like the Bruce Willis is a hero who did was able to to uh, help the people in the future which is by the way the first time I've I've ever seen the movie that I get I, I I saw that because every time I I didn't get it that he actually saves the day at the end but now I kind of was thinking about it and I'm like oh yeah it basically means that they can now find the virus and mm. um so but so now if if he if he changed it so now in the present they already know it it has changed it or they'll know it like how does it work and it's kind of like you know, these kind of questions are interesting too.
1: Yeah, but how does this man with the virus box in the aeroplane, he already bought the ticket for pecking and uh, all kinds of, in all around the world. And they know he all, he went those places.
0: Yeah, and he already opened it in the airport. Yeah, he already opened, yeah. so it's already in the airport. One aer-
1: of them, but he's going to Peking and all kinds, yeah. and still the woman beside him in the aeroplane. Plane is mm-hmm. getting it.
0: Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's also.
1: She makes the solution.
0: Yeah, but so, so. and that was also interesting to note that, like what we talked about with metal, is that um, that is also very good to notice that it's kind of unconventional in the sense that it's not about trying to save the future. like to prevent the virus from happening because they all the time talk about that it is it has happened Bruce Willis is very uh, that everybody's already dead and it's about saving the people in the future in the present time uh, to be able to go back to surface you know so it's kind of funny that it's it's not about saving the past it's about saving the present time so um, yeah. so so uh, Bruce Willis is dead and most of the people will die anyway but it's still a happy ending which is kind yeah. of funny and there's a question that kind of made me think about in this film now uh, during this watch that Bruce Willis goes back in the, the, the story is very clear to say that Bruce Willis goes first to 1990 mm. And he, he's in the mental asylum saying, uh, talking about virus that will kill everybody. Yeah. And then he goes back to the future. Mm. And then he goes to World War I, where he meets mm. this uh, Jose, his friend, who has been rambling about the virus in English, yeah. in the French trenches in, yeah. in France. France. And then, then Bruce Willis goes to 1996. Yeah. And there, we we meet the woman again. What was her name? I don't remember. Mad-
1: i in the this uh, the doctor, yeah, Catherine Rayleigh.
0: Yeah, Catherine Rayleigh. Yeah. So uh, uh, she's le- lecturing about apocalyptic visions, mm. and she talks about historical uh, people who have uh, prophesied about the virus yeah uh in the medieval times there was apparently one and then he he gives an example of this Jose character in the first first world war mm. this kind of weird situation that happened that this guy was in perfect English rambling about uh this virus that will kill everybody and and so and and then uh also I think she also mentioned the ment uh Bruce Willis in nineteen nineteen the mental asylum i think yeah maybe she added into it because she was his patient and stuff, so and he's, he's kind of giving this presentation, and then in the audience, there is the mad scientist yeah who who then later confronts her about environmental issues and about yeah. humanity and stuff like this. So my question is that did did the, would it be seen as that the mad scientist is get gets inspired? by that presentation to do the virus, to, to yeah, release. Yeah, like Brad
1: Pitt got also. Yeah,
0: because we thought that Brad Pitt got it, but in the end, see, he was nothing to do with the virus.
1: Yeah, but he got the idea of something else. Yeah, yeah. And, very excited. And
0: but there is the idea, like Brad Pitt, yeah, like you're right, there is the idea. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so is it, the, is, is it the same with the mad scientist? Mm. You know, so in that sense, it's kind of a loop. It was, it was, the virus was, came to be because of the people who came back in time travel. Oh. You know, which, mm. which is kind of like implies um, uh, determinism or predeterminism oh. or maybe mm. even because there's some religious text, in the, uh, religious themes in the movie, then would it be like predestination you know um, that it it already has been happened you know it, it it and it is it is supposed to happen in a way yeah. and it has already kind of determined the causes of that effect and uh and and and, and there's kind of a for me there's a little hint in Catherine Rayleigh's dialogue uh how she as a psycho psychiatrist tries to talk to Bruce Willis when she's tied in her bed. And then Bruce Willis, um, in, in 1996, she's tied into her into the bed. And then Bruce Willis sees this dream where we first time see that she's the one in his dream. Yeah. And that's the first time. And then he's, he wakes up and he says, you are the woman in my dreams. I never knew it. I never saw her face or something, but now I see it's you. And she mm-hmm. says that it was never me. It is now because of what is happening.
1: Oh, a private destination.
0: Yeah. See. It-
1: but also, Derry Gilliam said in the document that he didn't want the parts in the in the end with the aeroplane, and the, they forced him <laughs> to.
0: So yeah, but, the, he, but
1: he for him the story was without it, okay?
0: Yeah, and that that could that could be more predestined storyline where the airport the mm. the airplane scene wasn't there because that mm. the airplane scene implies that things will be okay in the future yeah. or in the present.
1: Yeah,
0: it mm. was it was there for the happy ending, and without it, it's basically they couldn't do anything or.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know. Like. This is
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, that's a kind of a fascinating thing for me too. So now at the, at the end, I, I want to I want to talk about something that was really really fascinating for me when I was like after I saw the movie and then I was like reading about it. There's this uh, short film Le Chete uh, that yeah. the film is based on, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's a great companion uh, film. To see, but I guess, like you, you, should really see both films if if you have access access to both films. Twelve Monkeys is very sci-fi, while Let it- the is like very poetic in its sci-fi approach. It feels not completely sci-fi with the as- with with the, with the fact that when the when he time travels and the way it's narrated. I, I wasn't convinced that it's actually time traveling. Did you have that? Because: No,
1: the same thing, exactly with you.
0: Because he, we, we talked about, because first of all, the whole movie is presented in uh, still photos, mm. and everything begins with one photo, which is a still photo of the woman, yeah. which is literally the obsession of the man, is that still image of that woman. So it's 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 it deals so much more with memory than with time travel, but in the same time, the movie tries to say that it literally is time traveling. It's it's kind of strange because, and also it it makes it much more harder to really kind of be convinced that it is actually a time like physically time traveling, because he remains on the hammock, all throughout that time.
1: That was the problem, yeah.
0: Yeah, he doesn't physically go there, yeah. He goes there in his mind, but But, he's able to alter the the past in his mind somehow. You know, because it's time travel.
1: You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. Tarkovsky.
0: Yeah, yeah. This
1: one, Solaris, what was it called?
0: Solaris, yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, this, that that also works very much into. What but I, it
1: it came only in that part to me, this Tarkovsky, where he lies in the hammock with the things on his arm.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah, that part only. Yeah. Well, well, to me it comes in the in the kind of the existentialism of the woman's part in it. Uh-huh, because yeah, the yeah. woman is a memory. In mm-hmm. his mind, is he altering his memory or is he altering actual reality mm-hmm. and yeah, that that is you cannot really say it in La Cete. it's not really clear, and in Solaris that's the whole existential question of those yeah. characters yeah yeah and and it makes it even much more confusing when because he he's able to also travel into the future that like um how like yeah if if it's if it's dealing with memory, then is it like his idea of the future, or you know I don't know, but then everybody else like he's he's even able to like 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 there's this point where he's like going into the future and he t- comes back with the regenerator that he can give it to the people in the present that the future people give him a machine, but he's in the on the hammock like. Like I said, like there, there, and there's also this very interesting uh, similarity between La Chete and Twelve Monkeys, which is the Vertigo from Hitchcock.
1: Yeah, that was something wonderful.
0: So that's very interesting that Vertigo is kind of so in, in, in integrated into it because so La Chete clearly had inspired also from Vertigo. So why is Vertigo here? What is and I was starting to like read about Vertigo and stuff like this because very fascinating. And that scene also, it's a very fascinating story. So I, I saw this comment from a, critic, uh, a film critic called James F. Maxfield who pointed out that, that specifically this, that it's an adaptation of uh, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Do you know that this short story?
1: I heard this, but...
0: So it's a a short story um, written by a man called Ambrose Pierce in America Mm -hmm. in the late 1800s. And it's, uh, it's a very short story and basically I'm going to spoil the plot to it because it's not... It's a kind of an old historical book and it's a classic and stuff, and it's very important for what I want to kind of point out, and it's... Ah, okay. So, it's so it's please,
1: <laughs> spoil me. <laughs> okay.
0: So, it takes place in the Civil War time in America, and there is a man uh, that is about to be hanged on the uh, Owl Creek Bridge.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's, he's thinking about how he could save himself... How he could escape this situation, and he he. Then we kind of have a flashback of his of his life. Uh, where he's he has a plantation apparently or something, and he has a wife and kids, and they are very loving and stuff. And there's this whole war going on or something, and there is like uh, something about the bridge. Uh, the Owl Creek Bridge that has been occupied by enemy force or something, and maybe he's plotting to to how he can take, they can take it back or something. It's not important for this, but he's going. He's taken hostage, and they will hang him as the enemy on the bridge. And then we are kind of again in the moment of his uh, death happening, and and so then he is hanged, but the Uh, rope breaks and he ends up uh, uh, falling down from the bridge and he he unties himself and he runs into the forest where he has a whole hallucinatory journey or something like this and he ends up at his plantation and he embraces his wife and kids and at that moment he, he feels a huge break in his neck. And a loud noise apparently or something, and a flash of white light that blinds him. And then we kind of have an end narration where it's revealed that he never escaped that and he was actually uh, hanged on the bridge and he hallucinated that escape at the end.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. So that's where the critic of the Vertigo got that idea.
0: So he, he compares this story to the Vertigo and kind of uh, finds this that maybe Vertigo tries to say a similar kind of story mm-hmm. uh, where it's because where it's, it's more personal journey of that main character and it, mm. it might be all kind of in, in him. you know. But I don't I, that's not necessarily the, what I'm most interested in. if if Vertigo really happened or not. That's not my point. But what is similar in all of these stories, 12 Monkeys, Lachete, Lachete, Vertigo and the Owl Creek Bridge story, I I kind of realized it suddenly that in in all of these stories there's a hero who escapes their uh, fate, present or reality into a fantasy that eventually will confront their fate that they have to come to in a kind of predestined way. Uh. Because that, that happens yeah. in all of those stories. In La Ceté and Twelve Monkeys, La like Ceté kind of reveals it because it is about memory as much as it's time travel. And that is integrated into The Twelve Monkeys, that it's it's about him escaping the present time into his past. And in both films, they want to stay in the past. Where they cannot really live, they will be killed anyway. They cannot go back to the past, you know. Uh, And in a way, they are killed in their past because yeah. they cannot really kind of exist there and he cannot even go to the future either and he cannot stay in the present he ha- and he has to escape somewhere
1: mm.
0: and and in, in Vertigo and, uh, or, or in the old Greek bridge it's the most obvious He's, he tries yeah. to escape his own death in his fantasy mm. world that he invents in at the very at the end but he cannot he cannot continue living in that fantasy, he, 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 he dies anyway. Mm. The physical reality will kill him uh, eventually. And in Vertigo, it's kind of uh, similar, but in a more kind of, uh, uh, kind of uh, psychic way, in a more kind of like, um, and also like a sexual way uh, integrated into the character. It, it's it's all it's all in the actions of james Stewart and his obsession of that woman because he he uh he he relives his trauma in the in the in the mid, midpoint of the movie and then after that because he thinks that the woman dies mm. and then his role is kind of finished mm. you know in the in that in that in that events that took place yes. he was a he was a puppet that was being used. Just to, yeah. be, just to witness that death. Which was a fake death. Uh, not, well, real death, but it wasn't really the woman. Yeah, so yeah. he gets obsessed that, of this woman. And he goes to these locations where the woman was. And starts to has, hallucinate her. And mm. he, he cannot get out, that woman out of his mind. Kind of like Lecce mm. He cannot get uh, that woman off his mind. So he, he seeks her out he 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 doesn't quit, so he takes action to his own hands and he goes and he finds her who has mm. kind of started to live her own life and he He kind of brings her back into the events you know he he's so obsessed that he he alters her appearance because he cannot he doesn't he cannot um acknowledge her as what she actually is but as the image of what he wants her to be this other identity which yeah. is like the Solaris
1: really also. complex it yeah. is
0: complex and then and then through his action he he ends up bringing the woman at the bell, bell bell tower so in in a way he he couldn't he he like like the point is that the the real ending the real death at the end of Vertigo is is uh, re- repeats the midpoint and he 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 makes that fate reality by living yeah. it yeah. it's also a loop it's a cycle yeah he didn't just stop it he had to go back and he had to relive it and he had to be that un- all the way until her real death
1: yeah
0: And that also was a fantasy where he wanted to escape the sexual fantasy of her Mm. image. But he he was confronted at the very end of the predestined fate Mm. that had to happen in a way. So that that is in all of these movies.
1: So now we have these 12 monkeys and larger and we have solaris.
0: Yeah, they're all connected thematically in this way to them. It's it's about escape yeah. escapism in a way.
1: Yeah, it's, about it's a, one them. of the basic human conditions, like. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. It, in a, in a way, all of these films try to kind of understand: if, if can we really do anything about our reality? Can we? Yeah. yeah. Can we alter our? Uh, our reality, you know, in 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 some ways, and mm-hmm. in all of these stories, it's it's kind of a cynical <laughs> end where it, it it is doesn't allow us to have the control over it.
1: We yeah, have in Twelve case, we have really sweet.
0: Yeah, it's the most um, op- optimistic of all of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Which is funny it's funny because a
1: it's tragedy and so on, but it's sweet. Been... <laughs>
0: yeah indeed it's 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 the most romantic in a way
1: <laughs> okay so <laughs> so this has been a wonderful journey yeah
0: you know so uh,
1: thank you very much
0: honestly i i wasn't expecting to 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 have so much thoughts about this movie when you first said it and let's talk about 12 monkeys. i felt like i don't know what to really say about Mm-hmm. Other than, yeah, I like Terry, Terry Gilliam and he has so, so, so much fun, but well, there was a lot of stuff in it.
1: It's surprising that it starts to work in your brain always. So, this was a good discussion. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. The original music for our team was made by Kevin MacLeod. If you would like to get more content for each episode, I recommend checking out our website, mothersandmovies.com, and if you like our show, please read it on iTunes and share it with your friends, that would be really nice. Thanks a lot and bye.